Thank you guys. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to GBC. Great to worship alongside of you and excited to, um, to start our last chapter of 1 Corinthians. It's, it's been a long run. I think we've, we've been in 1 Corinthians, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 months now. And so um, the end is drawing near. So uh, let, me, let me pray and we will dive right into our passage today. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thanks for all the friends who are here to worship uh, with one another, but before you and, and ultimately, Lord, I, I pray that this time studying your word would be like that time singing songs, that, that it would all really focus on bringing glory to your name. And, and God, help us to sit under your word in a way that... Uh, that demonstrates the humility of our souls, that demonstrates um, our allegiance to you. And, and Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we would leave with conviction of the Holy Spirit to live more in congruence with your great pleasure um, for your redeemed people. And so help us, God, to do all of that. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My, my son, Will Brazelton, lives in Bozeman, Montana. And about two or three times a year, we get to go out and, and see Will, and it's, it's always a ton of fun. He is 25 years old. He's very much an outdoorsman. Our, our whole family is, is very oriented toward outdoor activities and just really activity in general. And like we fish, we hike, we mountain bike in the summertime. If we're there, we will whitewater kayak. Uh, we will ski in the wintertime. On downtimes when things are slow, we will play pickleball. I mean, it is nonstop. We'll do all of that in like a three to four day period. Like we will wreck ourselves. And here's the deal though. Sometimes we go so hard doing all of these activities that we all love to do that, that some of the important conversations that we desire to have kind of get pushed to the side a little bit just for all the activity. Now that, that is true until we start to sense that our departure is drawing nigh. And, and when it's when we know that it's, it's almost time to leave, all, all the important stuff that we haven't gotten to will, will bubble to the surface. And so we, we will talk to Will about pursuing Jesus. We will talk to him about finding you know, godly fellowship. My, my wife will be in my ear asking about, are there any godly women in Bozeman, Montana? And, you know, so there's, there's all of that going on. And, and it, it's always basically the important stuff get brought up as we sense that the end is near. And, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, if you just look at it in terms of its topics, might seem disjointed. Paul realizes that the, the book is winding down and he is, he is going to address all the other important things that he hasn't talked about yet. And so this is Paul wrapping up. This is quick hitting topics, but it's priorities. And that, that's what you need to understand. These are the last things that are Paul's great priorities that he, he feels like he would be remiss if he did not address. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, our first topic that Paul prioritizes. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Well, 
you shouldn't be surprised that Paul brings up the topic of money and, and giving to the church because we've covered in these 16 chapters tongues, prophecy, healing, miracles, the role of women in the church and the home. We've covered all sorts of sexual deviance, just to name a few, incest, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, also called fornication. All of those are sexual deviance according to God. We've covered church discipline. We've covered divorce and remarriage. Are there any other landmines <laughs> that Paul could possibly cram into a 16-chapter verse? Oh, yes, money, money. Of course, we're going to talk about money before we end this book. First of all, all kidding aside, I want to say that now is the perfect time to talk about money at Grace Bible Church. It, it honestly really is the perfect time to talk about money. We are not desperate. Like there, there are times that I as a pastor could talk about money because we are desperate, and that's, that's not true. Grace Bible Church is doing really well financially. We, we had a great year last year. We have money in reserves, like all of that kind of thing. So, so when I talk about money today, it's, it's not trying to squeeze blood from a turnip. Okay? It's just not. We're, we're, we're not desperate. I'm not talking about money for that reason. It's also not really strategic either. Like if I was going to be strategic and talk about money, I would do it in December because I want to capitalize on end of the year giving. I promise you that's when most of you give. I, I would also talk about it maybe before one of our special offerings. That took place in November and it doesn't take place again until I think April. I'm, I'm not even exactly sure when. We're way too early to talk strategically about money in reference to those two things. So I tell you that to tell you that I am talking about money because money is mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Last week, I talked about resurrection because that was chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. This is what's next. And it's next because God and Paul thought it was actually important to talk about it. So what does the text actually say? A couple of things you need to know about giving. One, it's commanded. And when I say it's commanded, it's commanded twice. It's commanded once in verse 1 and then again in verse 2. But, but we are commanded to give. It, it's not optional. It, it's mandated. The second thing that you need to understand is it's not only commanded, it's universally commanded. And what I mean by that, it says each of you. It's very emphatic. I want each of you, not just the rich folks, I want everyone, the, the poor folks, the rich folks, all the people in between the poor folks and the rich folks, each of you is commanded by God to give. Just like, by the way, the churches in Galatia. And, and so it's not just everyone in Corinth, it's everyone in Corinth, everyone in Galatia, it's, it's presumably everyone who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, you're supposed to give. Now, the question you probably should be asking is, why would Paul ask poor people in Corinth to give? I mean, is it really going to move the needle? And maybe you've had that thought too. I don't make hardly any money. My gift to the church, what's it going to do? And, and the Corinthians, the poor in Corinth were, I promise, poorer than you are. Okay? So, so they could pragmatically just go, I mean, what the heck's the use? It's going to be sacrificial for me. It's not really going to move the needle. Here's why... I think Paul commands the poor to give. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. In that text, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where, where rust and moth destroy, 
but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then he goes on and he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so when I tell you as the pastor of Grace Bible Church to give, and everyone should give, and it might not move the needle, I get that. I don't tell you that because we need more money. I tell you that because Jesus said, look, where you put your money, where, where you dedicate your money, your heart follows. And, and if you want your heart to be passionate about Christ, you should give. That, that's actually what creates passion. I'm not saying your passions don't you know, indicate where your money goes, but where your money goes determines your passions as well. So it's commanded. It's universally commanded. It's regularly commanded. That's, that's the third thing that you need to know. Meaning we're supposed to give consistently. And, and by consistently, the first day of every week. And, and incidentally, like there was some debate in the early church of whether we were supposed to worship on Saturday or Sunday. The first day of the week to a Jew was a Sunday. We think of it Monday because we're very work-oriented. It was Sunday for a Jew. The reason they're saying give on the first day of the week is that was when the church was gathering. This is one of the early indications that worship was supposed to take place on Sunday. It's supposed to be consistent, not just when Paul shows up every single week. And then you might be asking, well, how much am I supposed to give? Is it supposed to be 10%? 10%, it's called a tithe. It's an Old Testament concept. It's actually not spoken of here in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, which are also going to be about giving. It's not really spoken of there. It's, it's just not a big deal in the New Testament. Really what this says is, and I'm going to say it as literally as I, I can, the amount is, quote, as he may be prospered. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense in English. It's because it's a passive subjunctive um, verb. And yeah, if, if you're like, oh, this is great, you're a geek. Um, <laughs> the best, most accurate translation I could give of that little clause is, as he's able. So everyone is supposed to give as he or she is able. Give as God has given is kind of the idea. Like if, if God has given you much, give much. If God hasn't given you much, don't give much. But but everyone should give, and that, that's kind of the point here. And then the last thing, and it's the thing that you probably saw without me helping you, it should be given to help those in need. That's, that's why this gift, this gift to Jerusalem, this donation to the Jerusalem church is being given. It's because the church in Jerusalem was really poor. Jerusalem itself was a pretty poor town, and then the Christians who are being basically kicked out of the temple. It was a Jewish thing, and now it's not a Jewish thing. They're kind of left on an island. And Paul doesn't want the Gentile Christians to forget about the Jewish Christians who are, who are hurting. And so give and give you know, across racial barriers and make sure that we are seeing each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And ultimately... It should be given to those in need. Consistently do what you can to help those who can't. That, if I was going to say a summary statement of verses 1 through 4, consistently do what you can to help the people who can't. And this is kind of God's timing. Wes Carpenter gave the, the missions update, and he said a lot of things. The, the one thing that means the most to me of what he said is, 
Grace Bible Church budgets 33% of, of its total budget to, to go to missions. And, and you should know that this is just very general, broad strokes. Our 33%, which is $1.9 something million, goes to disciple-making efforts and ministering to the poor. Disciple-making efforts and ministering to the poor. So if, if you're a disciple-making ministry, we're going to support you. If you're ministering to the poor, we're going to support you. And if you're a disciple-making ministry to the poor, we're going to throw buckets of money at you. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's good to be in that category because we're giving it all away. And so that, that's kind of fun. Let's move to 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 11. It's not going to have much to do with money. You'll notice that. Verses 5 through 11. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door of effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. This is going to be an interesting little exercise. Basically, the reason this is going to be fun is sometimes a text teaches us not exactly by what it says, but by the values behind what it says. And that, that's what's going to happen today. Like, at first glance, it looks like this is Paul's travel itinerary. And, and I could throw up, you know, maps, and, and I could show you where Macedonia is, and where Ephesus is, and where Corinth is, and you'd go, oh, wow, that's not interesting. <laughs> but that, I don't think, is really the principle behind this passage. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that I may, so, I'm sorry, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. The principle behind this whole chapter, at least one of the principles, the most impactful Christian influence comes through meaningful relationships. That, that's really what I want you to see here. The most impactful Christian influence comes through meaningful relationships. If you want to matter for the kingdom of God, if, if you want to matter like for the calling that God has on you and on the church for, for what we are supposed to do in between our salvation and going to heaven, just know that it's going to come through meaningful relationship. Paul could have keynoted these guys. You know what I mean by keynoted? You, you ever seen a keynote speaker at a conference? They, they're big dealers, right? They, they're like, hey, I need this kind of soda in the green room, and I'm not going to come out of the green room until I come out to wow the people, and I'm going to give something really profound, and then I'm going to leave because I'm not going to associate with this riffraff. I don't, they're lucky to have me for my 30-minute talk, I'm going to go to my next thing because I'm a really big deal. That's what it means to be a keynote guy, okay? He doesn't do that. Could, could he have done that? Remember that the Corinthian church has been a pain in his derriere. 
These guys are the Wild West. They are into all sorts of deviance, and, and they're argumentative, and they're arrogant. And, and Paul could have said, hey, look, I'll come. I'll give you a half a day. I'm going to straighten out the messes that you've made, but I'm on my way because don't forget this, I'm an apostle, okay? I'm a sent out one, baby. I am planting churches all over the known world. I'm kind of a big deal. He could have done that. It's exactly what he doesn't do. He's like, I want to come see you. You're a pain in the tush. And I'm going to move toward you. I, I'm going to try to spend the whole winter with you. Like, I, I want to move toward you. I want relationship to be that which impacts you. He, went, he wants to linger. He wants to spend the whole winter. This is an example of what I have often called a blessed inefficiency. And, and when I say a blessed inefficiency, I mean, by the world standards, he shouldn't do this. By, by the world standards, he's too big of a deal to spend that much time with this church. This church is a mess. Go be more strategic. That's what the world will tell you. Figure out the people who you should be investing in and, and get out to them. And develop your platform, by the way. That's what the world's also going to tell you. Bigger is always better. Keep moving. Get, get on the gram. I mean, do whatever you have to do to get big, Paul. How on earth was the kingdom established without Twitter or Instagram because we can't develop our platforms. And remember, always, the world is always going to tell you this. More people, more influence. Now, here's what we need to do as Christians. All of what I just said, just turn it on its head. And, and you're getting close. I mean, you really are. In, in order to have a big impact, invest in small numbers of people. And, and be significant and, and dive in and be tenacious and stay with them and invite them into your home. And let them be close enough that you not just impress them, but you impact them. And that is exactly what he's talking about here. If you look closely, his itinerary is, I can't wait to spend significant time with you. I can't wait to linger with you. To which relationship or relationships should you be committing more time to? Who is it? Like, what, what should you... Eradicate from your schedule so that you can go deep with one or two or three people. That's what it looks like to be strategic in the kingdom of God. It's, it's not bigger, it's smaller. What does that look for you? What, what do you have to sacrifice to become more focused? I promise you, that's what he's talking about here. Another principle, the most impactful ministry also happens, not just through relationship. That's the first principle, through collaboration. Why do I say that? Look at the second part of verse 6. So that, I want to spend the winter with you, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. And then verse 11, so let no one despise him, him being Timothy, help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. So I just wanted to tell you this. In Greek, help me on my journey and help him, that would be Timothy, on his way. They're the same Greek word. And there's no on my journey or on his way. That, that's, it had to be put in for the English to make sense. Those words aren't there. 
They, they just, they aren't there. The, the word, the Greek word is pro-pimpo. And that is two Greek words smushed together, pro and pimpo. See what I did there? Yeah. That's why I get paid the big bucks. Pro means before, pimpo means to send. Pro-pimpo, to send on before or to send forth. And here's, here's what verses 6 and 7 are saying. Paul wants to spend the winter in Corinth, literally, in order that they might support or partner in his ministry. Now, when we think of support or partnering in ministry, we've received enough donation letters that we, we think he just wants their money. He does want their money. He also wants them to go with him to Jerusalem. Like, that's the deal. Like, he, he actually wants partnership in ministry. And, and to send him forth means this isn't just about me. This is about us doing what we can to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom. I think this is a huge concept. I, I honestly do. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled over the last year to articulate this same concept. And, and let me explain how. This is just a little window into my soul. GBC was founded about 19 and a half years ago on this concept, okay? And, and, and basically, it's a concept rooted in collaboration. Now, collaboration is a word that you're very used to. It, it means co-laborers, all giving input. Co-laboration, collaboration. That, that's what it means, okay? So GBC was founded on collaboration. The spiritual word for that is we are the priesthood of believers. Like, we all have a role in the kingdom of God. We, we all are part of the kingdom of God. And, and my job and Daniel's job and all the other pastor's jobs and the elder's jobs, really our job is to mobilize you, to help you figure out what your role is and then sick you on the world that you might demonstrate the love of Christ according to the gifts that God has given you. And that is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That is from Ephesians chapter 4. That is from Romans chapter 12. That is everywhere in scripture. But you are the priesthood of believers. You are the ministers in God's service. If you are redeemed, you are called into ministry. There is no full-time ministry. We're all full-time ministry. That's the point. Whatever you do is ministry. And it should be ministry. And it should be thought of as ministry. And you go to wherever you go to do wonderful work that glorifies God. And, and that enables you to invest in people. That they might see the gospel and they might hear the gospel. And I promise you, that is God's intent. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that at Grace Bible Church over the last 19 years. And I think that this room is totally full today and the 9 o'clock was totally full and we're still working on the 5 o'clock, bless its heart. <laughs> but I think we're totally full because of that principle. Meaning, like, this place isn't full because I'm more gifted than the guy down the street because I'm not. I'm not. But it wasn't about me. It was about the priesthood of believers and disciple making is an an effort to mobilize people that they might be actually utilized in the kingdom. And the more people you utilize, the greater opportunity we have to participate in the kingdom of God. So that, that's what I'm really proud of, hopefully in a godly way, not in an arrogant way, really proud of at Grace Bible Church. There's another ministry, though, that I'm part of, and it, it's called Hilltop Adventures. 
And we started it about three years ago. And, and ultimately, when we started it, this is such an interesting deal. We wanted to delineate between Hilltop and Grace Bible Church just so that there wasn't awkward stuff. And like I wasn't like, like promoting a ministry from the pulpit here. And like all that we were doing was, was good. But, but here's what happened in the aftermath of all of our conversations when we were starting Hilltop Adventures. I wasn't saying we. It wasn't about the priesthood of believers. For the sake of delineating Hilltop from GBC, it felt mostly like an I ministry. I'm starting this ministry. And I was able to say that the elders are supporting me in starting this ministry. And, and, and that was good. I'm not, I'm not down on that. But I would go out to people who, who don't know much about GBC, and I, was, I would say, we've started Hilltop Adventures, and we're, we're trying to export some of the disciple-making tools that we've developed or stolen at Grace Bible Church and, and trying to bless other churches through Hilltop Adventures, through these kayak trips and hiking trips and all this kind of stuff. And, and people would be like, that's great. Is it a ministry of Grace Bible Church? And I was like, well, no, but they're supporting us. And it, it would get all convoluted and I'd get all boogered up and I'd be like, thanks for your time. And, you know, I'd <laughs> run out of the room. <laughs> so it was just bugging me because I, I didn't want it to be like my ministry. Because everything about this that has gone well is because of, of kind of a we deal, not a me deal. And, and so I went to the elders last year, and I still could not articulate any of this. Like, I, I, I did not have this passage yet. And so I stumbled and fumbled my way around. But in the end, because they were really gracious, and I think they felt sorry for me, they agreed to own... Hilltop Adventures is a ministry that Grace Bible Church starts rather than a ministry that they just allow me to start. And it's made a huge difference. I mean, I know you're like, well, that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It, to me, it's a big deal. Because I think it's the way God works. I, I can't do it alone. I need... GBC and the people of GBC and the gifts that are associated with GBC to launch a ministry that ultimately exports GBC. That's me working through my stuff. <laughs> I felt like I should pay you. This was like a counseling session or something. <laughs> Here's your application. There's no such thing as a team of I. Like if if you're talking about your ministry as like, hey, I'm doing this, it might be okay, it won't be great. God is about co-laboring. God is about the priesthood of believers. God is about people with varying gifts coming together to create something that is special. Paul wouldn't say, support me in my ministry. He was like, come with me in this ministry that expands and advances the kingdom of God. So he, he's inviting people into it, but it's not, this is mine, this is yours. It's like, let's do this thing together. This, it's a significant principle. It takes some weight off of my shoulders. This, this past Christmas season, we were invited to a Christmas party. And when I say we're invited to a Christmas party, I mean one Christmas party. I actually went to two Christmas parties 
but the second Christmas party was the Christmas party for the staff and elders. So there's an argument to say I didn't invite, I wasn't invited to that party, I was, I was hosting that party. So two Christmas parties, but I was invited to one, and, and Britt and Kelly Chapman invited me to their, their Christmas party, and it was so sweet because Britt calls me up, and he's like, hey, I know y'all are really busy, and I was like, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I know you're really busy, and we were wondering, though, if you could come to, and I was like, yes! <laughs> Did I say that too soon? <laughs> to our Christmas party, yes, have I already said that? It's kind of one of those deals. And so we go to their Christmas party, and, and it's basically their current growth group and a, a couple of years past growth groups or community groups. So it's, it's 40 or so people in their house, and I know some of them because it's GBC people, but I don't know some of them just because I don't know everyone at GBC. But there's also some people there who are like boyfriends or girlfriends of people who are part of GBC. So like, it's fun for me because I'm going in, I'm like, I know some of you, but, but I was at the food, you know, that island where all the food was, and that shouldn't be surprising to anybody. And this girl comes up, and she's like 22, 23 years old. And so I'm like, I don't know her. And I'm like, hey, you know, how are you associated with the Chapmans? I'm trying to like, do you go to GVC? You know, what's going on? And she goes, oh, I'm in their current growth group. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. She's like, yeah, it's been great. And then the next thing she says, she goes, I mean, it's really surprised me because I tried that church on Sunday, and it just didn't do it for me. And so I'll tell you right now, if you're a guy and you do that, I'm going to string you along and I'm going to jack with you, but I'm not going to do that with a girl because she's like 22, 23 years old and that feels a little creepy. And so I'm not going to do that. So I, I try to change the subject and I'm like, well, tell me what you love about your growth group. You know, I'm not going to, you know, oh, well, what don't you like? I'm not going to do that. Nobody wants that. It's Christmas time. And so, so I... I'm like, well, tell me what do I, you, you like about the growth group. And she's like, well, we've really developed a lot of intimacy and I love the leaders and we're developing community and vulnerability. And it's so surprising because that church, I mean, she literally, that church on Sunday mornings just did not do it for me. Two times now. <laughs> like she's doubled down and I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> goosh, goosh, body blows. <laughs> you know, I'm okay. I did it in Christ. I, you know, <laughs> doing a lot of self-talk. And so I keep asking her some questions, and, and she says it. I'm not kidding you a third time. And I'm just like, okay. So her boyfriend walks up, and he's in law school, and I'm, I'm trying to get out of the conversation. So I'm like, hey, tell me what you do. Oh, you're in law school. What kind of law? Do I don't care what kind of law he practices. <laughs> I'm just like, anything but how bad Grace Bible Church on Sunday morning is, which is what we've been talking about. And so he's telling me what he wants to do. And she butts back in and she's like, West, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm not kidding. This happened. And I'm, again, I don't want to mess with a 22 year old girl. Like that's, that doesn't seem cool. So I'm, I'm trying to be honest, but I'm trying to let her off the hook. I'm just like, Oh, you know, I, uh, you know, work for the <laughs> church. You know, it's just got, you know, real low key. And she comes over the top of that. And she's like, what specifically do you do? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm like, well, I kind of smile. I'm actually, you know, the senior pastor. And she, she turns like ghost white. And she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I just put my foot in my mouth like three times. Oh my gosh. And I go, hey, look, 
I get it. Sometimes I bore myself. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I could laugh about that, y'all. But if the church was wholly based on my preaching, we don't have a shot with that girl. But that, that girl might not love my preaching. You know, whatever. <laughs> She's dead to me. <laughs> She's not. But the Chapmans are ministering to her and the other leaders in that group are ministering to her and, and the group itself is being the body of Christ. And we can have an impact beyond me or anybody else who's preaching. And I don't think she's ever come back. <laughs> but it's, it's great to know that this church is about something bigger than me. It's, it's not just about me. In fact, I would say emphatically, it, it's about we. And, and we is working. And ultimately, I, I tell you that story, and I'll end with this. I've got the best seat in the house. And it is a joy to be the pastor of this church because of what I see happening in community. And... I think that's what Paul is referencing that he wants to happen here. And it's not there yet for Corinth. But I love that it is here at GBC. And, and it's an honor. And I'm tremendously grateful. So that's it. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, help us to celebrate all the good things that you have done and caused that, that we couldn't have ever even imagined. And Father, not so that we can toot our own horns or it's not about us. It's just about your goodness outpacing us. And so we're, we're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for what you say in scripture about the body of Christ and the priesthood of believers and mobilizing the saints to the work of ministry and, and relational disciple-making and all of the things that are, are simple and true that create beautiful things in your church. To you be the glory, God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.